morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of the IAOMS members around the world. This is Deborah Zabladil on behalf of IAOMS, and we are starting our podcast series for fall 2020 around lessons learned from COVID-19 for the OMF community. We are so pleased to have with us today Dr. Alejandro Martinez from Monterey, Mexico, who is a private practice OMF surgeon and also happens to be the vice president of the IAOMS International Board of Directors. Welcome, Dr. Martinez. Hello, Deborah. Hi, Beanie. Hello, everybody in the world. So, Dr. Martinez, we're going to start off with just a few questions uh, for you around uh, COVID-19 and what it meant for you as an OMF surgeon. So can you tell me a little bit about what your experience was like as an OMF surgeon in private practice in Monterey, Mexico, let's say starting this spring and moving into the summer? Well, is COVID, COVID caught us on, on a very hard, on a very hard mood, you know, nobody expected that. So suddenly it's just like a, like a, a big tsunami coming into your country and in your continent. And for me as an oral surgeon in Monterrey, Mexico, I am in private practice. I have a, a clinic with two operating rooms for general anesthesias and we have rooms for recovery for one night. So we do our orthognatic procedures, TMJ procedures, you know, almost all my, 90% of my procedures in my practice are done in the clinic, in our operating rooms. So we had to stop all that. Uh, I have uh, 20 employees and we had to cut that. And we were, we were out of the office. That means zero work for two months. That was from March 14, something like that, up to May 14, May 20, something like that. And here, uh, the government has didn't have a plan to support. So we had to cover full salary two months from our own pocket. There was no government insurances, no nothing responsibilities were exactly the same. So it was hard, we're two months closed. And then the clinics that has, according to our, like in US you have an FDA, here we have one that is called Cofepris. So our clinic has a coffee priest license because of the operating rooms, the ORs. So we were habilitated like hospitals to start working by the end of May. That's when we started back. With, and we had to, to, to be very careful. Our clinic is like a bunker. <laughs> we want to protect ourselves. We want to protect our employees and we want to protect our patients. So that was the, the first point. And, and, we, and we did changes and we, did ad we adapt to that. So that's what happened in Mexico. 
So, you know, as you said, um, you were able to reopen because you had this um, governmental license um, that allowed you to do that. Did the government or did any other entity, any accrediting body, et cetera, give you sort of the protocol on what to do about, you know, your facility as far as COVID goes? Or was that all sort of on you to figure out yourself? Well, the, the National Health Secretary uh, gave recommendations and the coffee priest gave recommendations uh, and what to do. But those recommendations were kind of ambiguous. I mean, when you go exactly on how to receive the patient, how to protect yourself, how to use personal protection equipments and all that, it was kind of blur, all that. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I went into... I went into the U- U.S. protocols. I went from the Europeans protocols. And then we start reading all the papers and then the uh, other, other governments start sending recommendations. So, so what we did is we said we're not going to play this stuff on a, on a crazy mood. So we... I just copy the U.S. recommendations mm, okay. and, the, and the European ones. And, and that's what I did, and it has been working really nice so far. Do you think other surgeons in Mexico are doing the same? Are they um, adapting practices from the U.S. and other countries? Well, they, at first they were kind of not believing things. Mm. And suddenly, it was this tsunami affected uh, affected the the medical field. So doctors were immediately into those U.S. and European recommendations immediately right. because no one wants to get sick or die. Right. So, were, did anyone in your practice actually contract COVID along the way when you opened, or? Um, How did that go? No. No. I will say no yet. (laughs) Yes, right. That's right. It's not over yet. Yeah. Yeah. And what about patients now? As you're seeing patients, are you... um, Well, yeah. Let me put it this way. I mean, during starting again end of May to end of August, we have had six patients that... We in our clinic doing tests test to them, we found they were COVID positive. Okay. So we sent them to their doctors and surgery was canceled. So you have to have very specific protocols and rules to protect the patients and protect yourself and your employees. Sure. So you, part of your protocol was that every time a patient is getting ready for surgery, you would give them a COVID test? Well, yes. Uh, our yeah. patients, uh, they get fast tests with IgG, IgMs, five days, seven days before surgery. Uh-huh. And then they will have a PCR for surgery. They will have a D-MED-OD. For microcoagulations, they will have a chest CT scan. And also, the day of the surgery, we'll do again a 
AGG, IgM test again, the day of the surgery. Okay. Because not all the patients will, will respect the quarantine protocol. Once you have the, the, P, the PCR test and you have to wait maybe one day, two days. Right. And, and, and during those two days, maybe the patient will not respect the quarantine protocol or one of the people who lives with him will not do. So you have to cover everything. You have to be covering everything. Sure, sure. Thank you. So how do you think, you know, going forward, obviously we're not out of the woods yet with COVID. Um, no, yes, how yes. will your work as an OMF surgeon change as a result of, you know, what has happened thus far in 2020? Well, this is, this is easy. Let's say we were uh, working in full now we're 100% capacity. Suddenly we were stopped to 0% capacity. And then we started pretty, very, very slow. And by now I will say we are close in our, maybe, maybe we are in our 50, 60% capacity of work because you have to respect the, the, the waiting room. Ah, we, right. we don't want to have two or three patients in the waiting room. No way. Right. It's, it's impossible. And also, our we have two ORs. So you schedule one surgery in one OR, and then you will do a surgery in the second OR. And that's it. Then they have to be clean. Yeah. And then we have four, like, four dental chairs for for consults, for seeing patients for first time or for follow-ups. But each chair that is used has to be clean again, everything. Sure. And, and you don't want two or three families outside in the, in the waiting room. So that's, that's the issue. You have, to be, you have to work on a slower move. No matter if your facility has the possibility to do, let's say, 10 wisdom teeth patients in, in a day. I mean, right now it's not possible to do that. Sure. So you have to go slower. And then we are not working with all our, with all our employees also. Okay. One thing that we have here is, for example, my, uh, my employees that are doing the, that they do the cleaning in the, in, in the, in the, in the, in the clinic. I mean, they have to take the public bus to come. Sure. So they have more risk of contaminations. So then it's, okay, right now we have, we have less patients. We're working slower. So if I had two, uh, three people doing cleaning, okay, one is coming. And, and, and we pay them to take the Uber. The uh -huh. clinic is paying them the, the oh. Uber or the taxi. We don't want them to be with too much exposition on a public bus or things like that. So, so, so you've really thought you of... To, yeah, and then you have to test your, your employees and yourself every week. Right. With, with fast tests and then every 15 days a PCR. Right. So, so <laughs> it, it, now it's more expensive everything. Well, but I was just going to, yeah, go ahead. But you have to guarantee the patient. Right. That 
in the clinic were clean. Do you feel you have some patients that, I mean, it sounds like you're not able to take all of the patients that you were before. So do you have pent up demand for people waiting to get in or do you find yes. that you have, a, you have pent up demand? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, I don't want to, to take this wrong, but when no, the patients now, when they see that the clinic is like a bunker, yeah. I mean, patient comes in my clinic, she had a questionnaire to fill before doing the appointment, if they are doing fine, if, if they have no fever, no flu, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And the day they come in, there is something to wash and dry their, their, their shoes. They come oh. into the clinic and immediately they step on and they get like a surgical sterile uh, foot gloves, you know, and they get a sterile surgical uh, bath or I don't know, one go out. I don't know how to you say that, but, and then they get the surgical hat and they get the temperature tested and then they go in and they do uh, some solution to, to, to clean their mouth. And then they get, into the room to be seen so they they know everything is completely on a hundred percent covering our patients so now you have to give them great confidence then yes and they know and they they can see our records of all the employees how we're being tested mm, interesting yes so so that has made our clinic that the patients wants to come with us. Yeah. But then is, I only can see this amount of patients a day. Right. Or right. surgeries a day. So. So is that lost okay. revenue then ultimately? I mean, there's really no way to make up those two months or, you know, the 50% capacity that you can see now. Is that just, um, you know, lost to you forever? Or is, are there ways that, that that can be recouped in the future? Oh yeah, there's there's way that it it will be recovering future. Yeah, no doubt about it. I I mean, I I, I have always said that our specialty is is so nice with us. It it give us enough to live and to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And even in these covid moments we we open our foundation I was working two years and a half with all the legal process to open our foundation. And, and we just did it in this moment. I told to Dr. Cecia Gonzalez that works with, with me in the clinic. She's just a fantastic lady. She's a maxillofacial surgeon and she did craniofacial surgery fellowship too. And her heart is bigger than her size. Wow. <laughs> And, uh, and I told Cecia, Cecia, you know, crises are always a opportunity window. We need to do, to start our foundation now. And right now we have close to 50 little children with clefts that, and, uh, and we found a beautiful orthodontics that is coming to work also for those patients. So, so, Dr. Martinez, tell us a little bit about the mission of the foundation. Is it to provide uh, free care for those yes. who can't afford it? Okay. That's free correct. surgeries? Okay. Yes. 
Free orthodontics, free surgery. That's what we're, we're doing. So, and I told Cecia, my goal this year is to have 50 patients operated and having all the treatment they need. Oh, that's wonderful. So, wonderful. Yeah, well, congratulations so I mean, that you were able to launch that during such a tough year. That had to yes, be extremely yeah. difficult, but that's well, wonderful. And, and the point is, I don't call, when, when we, like COVID, you know, tsunami, yeah. I don't call it a problem. I don't like the word problem. Yeah. I like the word, we have a different situation. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to learn from it. Because in my mind, let, let's wait for, let's say, end of 21, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's think that crisis is over. At the end of this pandemic, if we don't come out as a better surgeons, as a better human beings, it was a waste of time and energy. Absolutely. So, yeah, so this is a perfect moment. It's an it's a opportunity, it's a window opportunity to learn, to do more things, and to become better at the end. So, so I mean I will, to that end, what do you feel you learned? You know, what are some of the top two or three things that you might share with the OMF community that you learned other than, you know, the safety protocols, which it sounds like you have amazing safety protocols in place. What are some things that you learned just about being able to respond to something that was so unforeseen? Well, first is, I will say gratitude is the first one. Because at the end, we are okay. At the end, we have work. At the end, we are able to help people. So we we have to have gratitude. That's the first one. Second one is I, I have learned to respect with this situation, many people, their minds goes crazy. They get angry easier. They just, uh, they will do very different things because there are people that doesn't believe on that and doesn't respect. I mean, just, just the mouth protector, you know, in the world, how much, how much controversy has has become because of it. Right. So I, I've been kind of a slow mood. I will say, you know, in a funny words, don't, don't make waves, you know, let's, let's yeah. have this, let's, let's have a easy mood. Let's, yeah. let's respect everybody and do what you have to do. Don't blame on others. Don't criticize others. Bring them, bring everybody up instead of fighting down or fighting others. No, no, there's no time for that. Fear one is, after all this, 
nothing happens. We're still human beings. And I have learned now that I don't have to rush in my life. I, I need, it, this crisis has helped me to understand that life has to be more enjoyable. And nothing happens if I work a little bit less. Right. Nothing happens. Now I can enjoy more my house. I said, my wife and I, we built a house 15 years ago. And I said, for first time, I've been using every space of the house and enjoying it. I, I was laughing with Elda, my wife. I said, I, I, I made some like a, I printed some like a passports. Passport for the kitchen, passport for the living room, <laughs> a passport for the TV room, for the yard, you know, things like that. And we were just having fun of that. You know? right. right. We miss our passports because there is no traveling. But I said, well, let's do some house passports, you know. <laughs> right. That's so, great. Yeah, we have been enjoying more life also. I, I think that seems to be one of the outcomes that a lot of people are pointing to. You know, after reflecting, I think at first we were all just stunned by this. And now we realize that maybe we don't have to go back to life exactly as it was. Maybe we can find yeah. a better future. Um, yes. And I think that's that's a, a positive aspect of this. And I know there are yeah. so many challenging, but... Yeah, and, and in our profession, uh, Deborah, as you have seen, is... The, the professional, the, the oral and maxillofacial surgery profession world just came out giving a lot of lectures, virtual lectures. We start doing virtual lectures immediately, immediately helping, trying to be productive, trying to learn from other professionals. And many companies and also associations, we came out virtually with free lectures, teaching and firing up the spirit of our profession. So in my mind, even if physically in person is not possible, but we have been closer and stronger because we have been taking care of from other professionals in different cities, countries, regions, or in the world. So this is something that we didn't have before. We were waiting always for the meeting yeah. to get in person. Right, right. Very good point. So as we conclude today, um, I would just like to, you know, offer you space to just say anything you'd like to the international community in terms of, you know, a piece of advice or, you know, as we look ahead, you know, how to sort of plan for the, the coming months. Anything you'd like to say? Well, I will say to all my colleagues that, first of all, we need to keep protecting ourselves because we work very close with the nose, with the mouth. And we need to keep protecting ourselves. We need to protect our patients and our families and our employees. And we're still going for a year. So let's protect ourselves. And second, 
if life only gives you lemons, produce a lemonade, please. Enjoy it. Let's Great. find ourselves, how we are, and what we can do. And let's leave our profession with, with dignity, with ethic, with professionalism, and let's enjoy these times. Thank That's you it. so much, Dr. Martinez. And that was Dr. Alejandro Martinez from Monterrey, Mexico. Thank you for being with us, sharing your wisdom and your very uplifting thoughts for the community. Appreciate you being on our podcast today. Thank you, Deborah. And thank you, Beanie, for being behind helping us. I appreciate that very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you once again for listening to the IAOMS podcast series. IAOMS members receive additional benefits such as access to the IJOMS, educational resources, reduced rates for conferences, and more. To join or renew your membership, please visit www.iaoms.org. Keep up to date with our weekly podcast by following IAOMS on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest news. See you next week.